So in case you don't know who I am, uh, my name is Jake Valkamp. I'm the young adult and college-age pastor uh, here at Resurrection Life Church. It's called Access. We meet on Thursday nights at 7 p.m. if you're in that age group and you never heard about it. And I get the privilege. This is the first time I've spoken outside of Thursday night, so I'm really excited. And I'm really excited to bring this message tonight. Um, next week, we're starting a series on the fruits of the Spirit. And last week was the finale to the foundation series. So I have this awkward transitional period where we go from one series to the next. So tonight I'm gonna be doing a transitional series from the foundations to the fruit and it's titled, What About the Roots? What About the Roots? So before we get started, I wanna pray. Dear God, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for Jesus. And we just recognize that you're the reason why we're here. So God, I ask that you lead this service, that you lead my words, that you lead this whole conversation that we're having, God, and that you do the work, God. Holy Spirit, you are the best teacher alive. So teach the hearts of each individual person in this room tonight. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I went to college uh, to be an elementary school teacher. Any teachers in here? I got some teachers. You guys are awesome. Seriously. So I went to school to be an elementary school teacher, and my focus was in science and math. So in one of my science uh, classes in college, we were taught that when we're teaching about specifically plants, we're teaching about you know, trees and fruits and vegetables and food, you're never supposed to assume that an elementary school student knows where food comes from. Specifically in, in the city, because in rural areas it might be a little bit different because they're exposed to farms and, and gardens, but in the city they're not exposed to that. So when you ask a, a student where did, where did the apple come from? They'll say a bag. Where did it come from? Oh, it, came, it came from mom's car. Well, no, where did it, oh, I'm, oh yeah, it came from the store. You see, they don't actually know the process to which the fruit grows. They don't know where the fruit comes from. They don't know where food comes from. They, we live in a society today that, well, most of our food is actually fake, but we don't even know where our food comes from. Where does your food come from? Uh, McDonald's? Taco Bell? Where does our food come We don't even know. Unless you're like a super health freak and you, and you gotta do all organic. Uh, don't even talk to me about gluten. None of that. We're all natural here. No. You see, we, we want, they don't know, the students don't know where it comes from. And so I want to read a verse to you. It's Galatians 5, uh, 22, 23. This is our verse that we're going to be doing the series on. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or that's patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things there is no law. I find in myself that 
I can be like those elementary school students in that I can list all of the fruits of the Spirit, but I actually have no idea where they come from. We know what we're supposed to do, but we have no idea how to get there. We know the right things to say. We know the smile to smile. But we actually, sometimes, we just don't know what, where it comes from or how people who are portraying these fruits, how they're doing it. And one thing I wanna highlight in this verse, it says, but the fruits of the Spirit. Of the Spirit. Of the Spirit. That means these fruits, these behaviors of ours are not of ourselves. They're of something that's, that's contrary to our human nature. They're of something that's so beyond our logic and reasoning that we can't explain it. It's of the Spirit of God that lives inside of us. That's all of the good that comes out of us in our life comes from the Spirit of God which is inside of us. And, and someone might say, yeah, but, yeah, but people who, don't know that, who aren't Christians and who don't know God, yeah, they can still do good things. They can do good things, but just like Pastor Scott was talking about, it, it probably is gonna be for the, with the wrong motive. So all the good that we ever do is from the spirits inside of us. We need this, this life of the spirit to be so relevant to our lives that we can live in these fruits. So fruits of the spirit. What? So someone might ask, okay, what, what is a fruit? What is, well, it's a fleshy food that grows on a tree or grows on a plant. But in my studying of science, once again, <laughs> I was an elementary school teacher. Not a, I don't know a ton about science, so don't come and ask me about all this crazy scientific stuff that's going on. I was elementary, very foundational. So, what is a fruit? The, a fruit is the reproductive agent of a tree or a plant. The only way a tree or a plant can reproduce is through a fruit. The only way. But how does a fruit come to existence? It comes from a process called photosynthesis. Basically what that means is that the plant, through sunlight, through carbon dioxide, through water, I'm missing one more, I gotta check my notes, it's been a while, guys, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so the sun converts water and carbon dioxide into glucose, and this process continues and continues and continues to produce a fruit. And this fruit is the reproductive agent of the plant. It has seeds inside of it, and those seeds get deposited in other locations, and those seeds bring forth another plant which produces more fruit. So what is a fruit? It's the reproductive agent of a plant. The thing I love about fruits, about fruit, one thing I love is that this, okay, pineapple, it takes no effort on the pineapple to produce itself. You don't see a pineapple sitting. Where do pineapples grow? I mean, I, wherever a pineapple grows, 
in Hawaii. Yeah. We do not see the pineapple going, grow! Just grow! No. The process is very natural. The process of a, of a pineapple coming to become a fruit is very natural. It's progressive. It's easy. It's quiet. <laughs> it takes no effort from, of this pineapple to become a fruit. It's the sum of the inputs, and it's the sum of the inputs in time that produce a fruit from a, from a tree. So it's a very natural process. When we see, okay, it's, it's like the fall, so we're going to apple orchards, right? So you go to the Robinettes, you go to the, take your kids, go, go to the apple orchard, pick some apples, get some apple cider, get some donuts, right? Go on the hayride. And we see, we're picking apples, right? We're looking at it. We get an apple that has uh, some blemishes. What do we do? Just toss it on the ground. Ah, it's a bad apple. It's a bad apple. I want to argue something, though. It's not the apple's fault. Something happened in the process of the apple growing that caused it to, to have a deformity, that caused it to be unhealthy. Are you following? It's not the apple's fault but we like to focus all our attention on the apples. We like to focus all our attention on the fruit, and we forget that the root of the plant produces the fruit. Now, that's a bad apple. It's a bad apple. But the only way a fruit can be healthy is if it has a healthy root system. So what about the roots? John 15, 4. Remain in me. This is Jesus talking. As I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So the fruits of the Spirit. The only way for us to live and walk out and represent the fruits of the Spirit is for us to be connected to Jesus. We all understand that. The only way for us is to be connected to Jesus. But we can be connected to Jesus and still not live in the fruits. I know that because I'll tell you, sometimes I don't live in patience. Sometimes I don't live in kindness. Sometimes I don't live in joy, but I'm still connected to Christ, so where's the disconnect? Are you following? So that's, we're going to go through that tonight is what, what about this bad fruit that we have in our lives? What should we do with this bad fruit? What should we do with the things that we know we're not supposed to be doing, but we do them, and it's a, it's a habitual pattern that we keep doing them and doing them. We know it's not good, but we just still do them. But what do we do with those things? And I think Mary and Martha <laughs> help us. So I'm gonna, we're going to read the story about Mary and Martha, and we're going to go through some, 
some truths found in there. There's a lot of truths, but I'm just going to focus in on two. Is notice the focus of, of the two different women, Mary and Martha. There's someone who's fruit-focused, and then there's someone who's root-focused. Let's read it. Luke 10, 38 through 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations they had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Telling Jesus what to do. Oh my goodness. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Martha was fruit-focused. By that I mean she was so worried and consumed with the external circumstances of Jesus coming into the home that she wasn't able to enjoy the fact that Jesus was in her midst. And you could ask, well, did she do a wrong thing? I mean, she, she wanted to prepare. She wanted to, to make things right. She wanted to prepare food for Jesus. She wanted to clean for Jesus. She wanted to make her home hospitable so that Jesus would come into a clean and welcoming environment. What she did was, was good, but it wasn't the better thing. Jesus says in verse 42, he says, Mary has chosen what is better. Mary has chosen what is better. So Martha was fruit-focused, worried about all the external things, all the things that were about the temporal, about the external, about appearance, and Martha and Mary, there she was, just sitting at the Lord's feet, sitting at the Lord's feet. She was root-focused. She was foundationally focused. She was focused on the vine. She was more worried about being connected to the vine than she was about the fruit, about the external things. She was so mesmerized by the fact that Jesus was there right in front of her. So she just, she just looked at him and just listened to him. And in, verse, and in verse 40, or verse 39, sorry, she's a sister Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. She was root focused. So have you ever prayed a prayer like this? God, give me more patience. I have. God, I want more joy. God, help me to be a kind person. I, like I said, I've prayed these prayers before. They're very common. They're very Christianese. That's like a language. It's like Christian slang. I'm glad some of you laughed. Okay, that was better. One more. Yeah, there we go. Okay, I got some reaction. That's good. So the, the reason why I ask that is because these prayers, 
although they seem right, they seem spiritual, they seem like the right thing to, to talk to God about, they're very fruit-focused. They're very fruit-focused. I'm not saying, don't, don't feel bad about praying them. You don't feel bad about praying them. It's a good prayer. You have a good intentions in your heart. But what happens is, is when you pray for patience, <laughs> something usually happens that tests your patience. And then we say, God, why did you do that? He said, well, you asked for patience. <laughs> it's fruit-focused. So Jesus, Jesus actually shows us, he tells us how to deal with <laughs> when we have problems and we have fruit that we don't like in our lives. He actually tells us how, how to respond. He actually tells us what to do. And it's found in Luke 13. I don't have the verse, but I'm gonna summarize it for you. It's, there's, a, there's a landowner who, who owns a garden, and then there's a gardener. And this tree hasn't produced fruit for three years, so the landowner comes and says, cut that tree down. It hasn't produced fruit. How many of us have felt that way before? Man, God, I can't do anything right. Just, God, man, I can't do anything right. Man. This is what the gardener says. He says, give me one more year. One more year. And this is what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to dig, get a spade out, and I'm going to dig around that tree, and I'm going to dig it up. And then once I get the roots, once I can see the roots, once I can see the issue, because the issue's not with the fruit, the issue's with the root. So we're so concerned with our fruit in our lives, and it's not even the problem. You see, there's something deep down in the root, and Jesus says, the, gar the gardener comes, he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to water it. And the gardener says, I'm going to throw some fertilizer on it. I'm gonna throw some fertilizer. Wait, one year! And let's see if it produces some fruit. You see, that some people try to, 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 to guess or try to assume who the, who the two characters are. So we have the, the home or the garden owner, and we have the gardener. Who are those two people? Is it God and Jesus? Is it Holy Spirit and God? And who is it? And I'm not, this is just my opinion. I heard this taught this way is that. The conversation between the gardener and the garden owner is a conversation between judgment and mercy. Judgment says, you sinned, you deserve death right now. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So judgment saying, no, take that tree down, it's sin, and mercy saying, Put some fertilizer on it. Let me put some water on it. Let's get to the root of the issue. Let's get to the root cause. Let's stop messing with the fruit and let's get to the root. Because that's where change happens. You can't take a dead apple and polish it and make it a, a, an apple to eat. The only way to make an apple good is by going to the root and making it healthy. I have another thing to say about this. Do you know it's easier and you get to the root quicker when you have someone else digging with you? 
It takes a long time to dig by yourself. <laughs> if you've never dug a trench or, trench or something, it takes a long time. You get calluses on your hands. But it goes a lot quicker when you've got someone digging next to you. That's why we have church. That's why we have small groups. That's why we have community. Because we can't do it alone. Because if we do it alone, we'll get tired and exhausted and we'll just quit. And we say, the roots are too deep. There's no way I'm getting down there. That's why we need community. We need small groups. We need to get connected with believers who are going to encourage us and point us to the roots so that we can start producing fruit for the world. So how do we get to the fruit? We go down to the root. Mar Martha was worried about the fruit, but Mary was worried about the root. Luke 10, 39. I'm gonna say this verse again. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. She sat who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, just listening to Jesus, just enjoying his presence, just enjoying him being there, just enjoying him. It's, it's root-focused. Excuse me. And Jesus says, she has chosen what is better. And the truth is, is that if we stop worrying about our fruit and we just learn from Mary, we get down and... We, in, in, our, in our quiet time, in our secret place, in the place that no one else sees, and we, and we look to Jesus, and, we, and we, just, we start thinking about how good he is, and we start being real with him, and we start saying, God, I have all this bad fruit. What do you want to do with me? We'll start beholding him, and, and he'll start to work inside of us. If once we start, we, we have to start inputting the right nutri nutrients into our bodies so that we can produce good fruit. Those nutrients, our time with God, our worship, it's reading the Bible, it's prayer with the Holy Spirit, it's conversation with God, it's praise and worship, it's thanksgiving, it's community. These are the things that are going to put the right nutrients inside of us so that we can start producing good fruit and we put our eyes on Jesus and and let's see what's going to happen. We're going to go through it. Second Corinthians 3.18. I love this verse. I love a lot of verses, but I love this one. And we, 1 Corinthians 3.18. 2 Corinthians 3.18, I'm sorry. <laughs> and we all, with unfailed face, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed to the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And we all, let me break this down, we all with unveiled face. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn. We're unveiled. We can behold Jesus for who he is. Beholding the glory of the Lord just like Mary did. Beholding the glory of of the Lord, this is my favorite part, and being transformed into the same image. He's saying here is if you just behold Jesus, you will start to become like him from glory to glory. When we behold Jesus, when we worship Jesus, when we keep our eyes on Jesus, we start to become like the one we behold. John 14, 15. If you love me, this is Jesus talking, you will keep my commands. And I've misinterpreted this verse for a long time, almost my whole life. I was having a conversation with Nick Mayo, who's the ministry coordinator for 
access. So we were talking about this verse, and he, he said, in the, okay, I'll proceed with this. So I've always thought that this verse was sort of manipulative. Like Jesus is saying, like, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And I think of, like, um, conversations that we have. If you really love me, you wouldn't have done this. If you really love me, you would have done this. If you really loved me, you would have came to my birthday party. If you really loved me, you wouldn't have said that about me. You get, you get where I'm going? So we take this, and, I, and I've read that verse that way this, my whole life almost. And what if Jesus is actually talking about something else? What if Jesus is actually saying, if you love me, you won't be able to help but keep my commands. He says, if you'll just come to me, if you'll just behold my face, if you'll just come to me and give me all of your life and just focus on me, then you won't have to worry about producing fruit. The fruit will just happen. You won't have to worry about the good fruit because remember what I said, you cannot force a fruit to grow. It's a byproduct of being connected to the vine. And Jesus says, if you just come to me for your focus on me, fruit will be produced. The fruit will be produced. You won't even have to try. <laughs> so I want to bring it back. So we, we're producing this fruit because we're fixing our eyes on Jesus. We're, we're beholding him and we're and this fruit is, is coming and coming. So what's the purpose of the fruit? If you remember in the beginning, the purpose of fruit is it's a reproductive agent. Fruits reproduce in the natural world and in the spiritual world. Our fruits reproduce. The purpose of fruit is reproduction. The only way for an apple seed to reproduce is for it to be planted somewhere else. The problem is, is that the seed is on the inside of the apple. There's no way to get to the seed unless, well, this is how it happens in nature. It's on the tree, an animal comes, it, or it might fall, and then the animal eats it, and then it goes through, and then they deposit with fertilizer somewhere else, and then a new plant is grown. It reproduces. But I also thought it interesting that the seed of an apple doesn't reproduce when it's sold. When I eat this apple, I'm not going to go and plant it somewhere. I'm going to throw it in the trash. You can't sell your fruit. The only time your fruit is reproductive is when it's picked from you. You can't sell it. Okay, what does that mean? It's kind of confusing. That means me coming to someone and say, you know what, you need to be more kind like I'm kind. You see how I'm kind? You need to be kind. Or not even saying that, come and say, man, you really just, you really just need to be more patient. You really, just, like, you really need to, I know you're better than that. You see, we're trying to sell people our fruit instead of living a life so consumed by the Spirit of God that our life is a endless supply of fruit that people can just pick it from us. And then when people do wrong against us, they pick it and we don't even care. People offend us and we're like, whatever, because I have so much fruit. People say mean things and we give them kindness. People say rude things and we're just joyful. People betray us and we just have so much self-control and it's not even by attempting it's from a natural progression of fixing your eyes on Jesus and the fruit just comes off we're not trying and trying and trying to be a good person the good person that we are comes from our connection to God the only fruit that counts is the fruit that's picked from us 
freely given. And the, the best fruit is when the someone doesn't deserve it. You know what I love doing? <laughs> when I go to a restaurant and my waiter or my server is just terrible, I love to give them a big tip <laughs> because they don't deserve it. <sighs> they go home and say, what? That person gave me a 50% tip. What the? I, didn't, I was purposely rude to them. What the? What the here's the deal, because we, we like to give our fruit to people who deserve it. <laughs> I can't do that. I can't do that because if I only got what I deserved, I'd be in hell. We can't give the fruit that's deserved. We have to give the fruit that's undeserved. Because Jesus gave us something so special that, and that was so undeserved. We did not deserve a thing. We deserved hell, death, separation from God. But God saw something more in us. And he said, I want that. He said, I want that. And we're, when we team up with God, when we live by the Spirit and we produce fruit, we are representing God to a lost and dying world. We are representing his nature to a lost and dying world. And we are planting seeds of reproduction to a lost and dying world. Most people think that the only way that they can plant seeds is if they speak truth. But our lives, you heard it said, your actions speak louder than words. You can talk a good game, but you, can you live one? We can talk a good game. I can talk a good game. I know the right things to say, but do I live a good game? Do I live a good game? So it's not about the fruit, it's about the root. It's about getting down and fertilizing it, watering it. Fixing our eyes on Jesus so we can produce fruit. And why do we produce fruit? So that the world can see the nature of God through us. And it's very attractive. The reason why fruit is eaten is because it's very attractive. People, the, the animals eat it because it's attractive. We need to be attractive to the world. When people treat us unfairly, we need to treat them fairly. When people do us wrong, we need to... Treat them with loving kindness, not out of willpower, but out of expression. It's our greatest privilege to return someone a loving action when they've deserved less. It's our privilege because Jesus did the same thing for us. And we get to represent, we get to spread seed all over the world by our, by our actions. These fruits, these fruits of the Spirit are so valuable. They're so important. In, our, in church, we love, to, we love to magnify or we love to, to celebrate spiritual gifts, healing, prophecy, speaking in tongues. We love to celebrate these things that are cool. And God, God has a different, God, he loves those things. He created them, but he has, a different, he has a different heart about it, I think. He loves those things. He created those things. But he says in Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. When we do our good works, we're glorifying God. When we repay good for evil, we're glorifying God. When we are connected to the root and we produce fruit, we are glorifying God and reproducing and spreading seed across the world so that they get to know Jesus. They get to know the same truth that you're living in. It's a beautiful thing and we get to work with God. We get to partner with him to spread the good news about his goodness.
My last verse I'm going to end on. John 15, 8. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. <laughs> God's glory is us bearing fruit. That's his glory. He loves it when his children walk in the spirit and walk in these spiritual fruits. He loves it because we're reflecting his nature to the world. So I'm going to sum up this whole time together with, with two, three sentences here. So we connect with the root. Jesus. God produces fruit. Fruits of the Spirit. And the fruit is sown for God to reproduce. We connect to the root. God produces fruit. Seeds are sown for God to reproduce. It's a great thing. I'm sorry, I was just deciding if I was going to keep going, but I'm going to be done. (laughs) Why don't you just bow your heads with me? If you're here and you can honestly and confidently say that I'm connected to the vine, awesome, yes, yes, yes. But I want to challenge you because there's those disconnects. I want you to ask God to take you to the root. I want you to ask God reveal his heart to you about your situations. Good fruit isn't enough. Good works aren't enough. Good works won't save us. Good fruit won't save us. The only thing that saves us is when we're connected to Jesus, when we believe that Jesus died, rose again, conquering sin and death. When you say yes to Jesus and yes to God, this is what you're saying. You're saying, I'm a sinner and I need someone to save me. I want to be given, forgiven of all the evil I've ever done, thought about doing or thought about. You're saying, I believe Jesus is the only way for me to receive eternal life and through him I can be a new person. My old man is dead. You're giving him all of your past, all of your present, and all of your future. If, you can, if you're here and you're not right with God, if you're here and you say, you know what, I, don't, I need Jesus, I need God, I need to be saved, I need to be connected to God because my life is not worth living without being connected to Jesus. Is that, that's you on the count of three. I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Awesome. Awesome. I want everyone, please repeat this prayer after me. God, I admit, I am a sinner by birth. I'm sorry for my sins, and I turn to you. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for all of my sins. 
I believe his blood paid the price for anything I have done wrong or will ever do wrong. I believe God raised Jesus from the dead, conquering sin, death, and the devil. I declare Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I now live in relationship with God forever. God, we thank you for your unending love and grace. In Jesus' name, amen.